0: You're listening to the Raptors Rapture Podcast. Meaningful Basketball is back for the defending champion Toronto Raptors. Kyle Lowry is up to his usual antics. Nick Nurse is back with his... You should have called something in their face, and Fred Van Fleet probably had another kid that we all don't know about. Life is good, people. The Raptors restarted their season on Saturday night by whooping the Lakers by 15 points on national TV, and then followed that game up on Monday afternoon with a much closer four point win over the Miami Heat, who they've struggled against quite a bit this season. With Boston losing their opener to the Bucks, the Raps' lead in the second seed has grown to four games, meaning the defending champs will probably play in the Orlando Magic in the first round once again. But we're not there quite yet. After a very successful weekend, the Raptors are actually getting some respect, which they rightfully deserve. All it took was a global pandemic and Disney World, the most magical place on earth, to get it to happen. I guess better late than never though, right? Since everybody's hopping into the Raptors corner, let's get the ball rolling with some overreactions that I've had for the first weekend of Raptors basketball in five years. So, wait, five months, right? I don't know. All I know is it's been a long time. Number one, the Raptors should be the favorite to come out of the East. To start, like I said before, the Raptors are 2-0 and in the bubble, that's a better winning percentage than the Bucks, Celtics, Heat and Sixers who have all lost one game at the time of recording. The Bucks just lost to the Brooklyn Nets but Giannis only played 15 minutes so let's not count that. But that's not even really the point I want to make here. The Raptors have just genuinely looked better than all of those teams I just mentioned. The Heat's defense is unbelievable at the least, but they really don't provide enough on the other end to put a scare into an elite defensive team like the raptors we saw that in monday's afternoon game where it was just a low scoring game through and through the heat's go-to guy jimmy butler had quite a bit of difficulty getting anything going late in that game and that really just gives me a lot of confidence in the raptors especially with the way that jimmy butler attacked them last year when they played the sixers the heats young guys do have the ability to go off any given night but They're really too streaky to have confidence in them night in, night out. While I do like the Raptors' chances in beating the Heat in a seven-game series, I probably wouldn't want to play them in any round other than the conference finals just because of how gritty they are. You saw Goran Dragic try to take out OG Ananobi's knee. There's going to be more of that happening. They've got Kevin Olenek, who's a gritty guy. Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler. All these guys are very tough players to go up against. And the Sixers, well they're the Sixers. We've already seen some chemistry issues in their first game back, and then Ben Simmons laid a total egg in their second game. If there's one thing that does stay consistent with Philly, it's that there's always something new going on, and it's usually not a good thing. Also, we have Marcus Allen; and they don't. I think we'll be okay. Now let's move on to the Celtics and this team i've been on the record saying i really don't like the raptors matchup against them as much as other teams but with kemba on minutes restrictions hayward probably leaving the bubble for the birth of his new kid and some scoring issues early on for tatum i don't see how the raptors lose a series here now it's time to talk about the big dogs we all know who that is the milwaukee bucks and the league mvp Giannis has looked good for 95 percent of his time in the bubble so far and obviously of course he has it's Giannis but it's the other 5% that I think will shine brightest in the playoffs especially against a defensive team like the Raptors Giannis struggled quite a bit at the end of the game against the small ball Houston Rockets which a team that you would think that he could dominate but he really wasn't able to get anything going the paint was getting clogged up by a really small team he wasn't making fantastic decisions and Frankly, like James Harden of all people was able to put the clamps on him late in that game, which seems kind of weird. Um, It seems like people have kind of figured him out and if they can do it, and I'm talking about the Rockets and pretty much any other team, the Raptors sure as hell can as well. They have just about as many players in the NBA who can defend Giannis better than anybody and Ananobi and Siakam and Serge and Marcus All, and they can really clog the paint better than just about any team in the league and we saw it last year. Obviously, they had Kawhi and Danny Green, but these guys are the defense is just as good. Middleton and Brooke Lopez will obviously need to step it up for them, and getting to that level is kind of questionable in the playoffs against some really good teams. The Raptors might not have been on pace for 70 wins before the season shut down, but they're looking as good as anyone in the Eastern Conference. Now we're going to move on to my second overreaction from the first weekend, and that is that. The Raptors have the best starting backcourt in the NBA bubble. There's no Steph, there's no Clay, so let's look at the guys who beat them in the NBA Finals last year. On Saturday, against the Lakers in their win, Kyle Lowry showed out dropping 33 points while adding 14 rebounds. 14 rebounds and 6 assists to take down the title favorite Lakers. Like I mentioned, he hit five threes, got to the line 15 times, And of course, he drew a couple offensive fouls as he does, forcing some timely turnovers. And it's really not even just about those numbers, because as people who watch the Raptors frequently, as as I do, you can just see him out there making as many winning plays as honestly anyone in the league. It's as simple as that. He may not score like that every single night, but he has just about the same impact on the offensive and the defensive end. Now let's look at that Monday game against the Miami Heat, where Kyle Lowry kind of struggled offensively, but Fred Van Fleet picked up the slack and some to lead them to a win. While Kyle Lowry wasn't necessarily horrible, he wasn't as attacking as he usually was. He wasn't as aggressive. But then again, that's probably because Fred VanVleet was hot right from the get-go. Freddie had a career-high 36 points, hitting his 7 of his 12 threes, and picking up a huge late-game steal to seal the Raptors' win. Even though he only had the one steal, it always feels like he has a 1,000. He went into Lowry's bag and kind of took the way that Lowry was playing on Saturday and put it into his game on Monday as he got to the line 13 times. Red Van Fleet was scoring over bigger, stronger guys, but also against the shorter, more athletic guards. There might be more skilled backcourts in the NBA, but there definitely is not a harder working backcourt in the league, and I can't really think of one in the bubble that are better when they're hot. Moving to number three, I'm saying Mark Gasol is going to be seen as the defensive player of the bubble, which is kind of like the defensive player of the year award, but just for this bubble time. Everybody knows that Mark is one of the best defending big men in the league today, and no, this isn't a podcast from 2012-2013 season. He doesn't necessarily have the gaudiest defensive stats, that's why people don't look at him necessarily, and he he doesn't play as much, but he's still holding opponents to less than 40% shooting in the restricted area, less than 10% in the mid-range, and less than 30% from three. Those shooting numbers are absurd, He just gets it done no matter where he is on the floor and no matter who he's guarding. Whenever the big Spain is out on the floor, you know the Raptors defense is going to be really, really, really good. Frankly, he's a huge reason for Nick Nurse being able to throw out a pair of undersized guards in Lowry and Van Fleet and allow them to have the best backcourt in the NBA. Well, in the bubble, but it's the NBA right now. He may not be Rudy Gobert or Joel Embiid, but His impact in meaningful games is one in the same, except he's on a top two defense in the league. If you don't necessarily agree with this, next time you watch a game, follow Gasol for a few minutes on defense. He stops the ball from getting to his man, impacts every shot that goes up around the basket when he's on the floor. He makes unbelievable closeout for such a big dude. And frankly, he gets himself in position to box out opponents, even if he doesn't get the board. And we all know with when people talk about how good Giannis is and why he should be defensive player of the year, a huge thing that people bring up is his ability to rebound and finish the defensive possession. There's not a lot of people better than Marcus Gasol in maybe not getting the rebounds, but helping his team win those rebound battles. All of this, and I didn't even really mention his defensive IQ, all those things play a part in it, but having the defensive IQ that he has, being one of the smartest players in the NBA especially on the defensive end, I think is so important for him to be as effective as he is and for the team to be as effective as they are. Number four, we're looking at Terrence Davis, and we might not have the guy we thought we did. And this doesn't totally have anything to do with his on-court performance, but kind of does. Throughout the season, it's been impossible not to fall in love with Terrence Davis as a Raptors fan. His play style is absolutely perfect for the team. He's gritty, he tries hard, he feels like he's not appreciated enough, and he seemed to be doing what the Raptors needed more times than not. However, sentiment towards him over the past little while has kind of changed. I think we can put it that way. Not only have TD Minutes been kind of ugly to watch in the bubble, which is understandable for the amount of time off and him being a rookie, but he's turned into kind of the heel of the team. He went full Michael Porter Jr. by posting some COVID-related conspiracy stuff to his IG stories, as well as showing up to a game in a mask with a hole in it. It's not a good look for a kid in an organization who have done everything right and usually do everything right when it comes to their player safety, social justice issues, and just kind of being good role models. While it does suck to see this coming from a guy that I've kind of fallen in love with as the season gone on, at least he didn't make a trip to Magic City for wings. Lastly, I am going all in. All in on the San Antonio Spurs and DeMar DeRozan. I do still consider a Raptor. That's why he's making it on this Raptor podcast to make the playoffs in the Western Conference. And for my last overreaction, it's that I am all in on the San Antonio Spurs and DeMar DeRozan for making the eighth seed in the Western Conference playoff race here. They still have a shot after DeMar DeRozan has kind of put himself out there and has been killing it over the past three games. They're, they've got a two-on-one record and DeMar DeRozan has been a huge part of that. He only had one kind of shaky game against the Memphis Grizzlies, but he had a huge fourth quarter, especially really late in that game, making some classic DeMar DeRozan layups, classic DeMar DeRozan buckets. Mid-range game is unreal. Then he drops a 30-piece on Ben Simmons and the 76ers and absolutely torched the Sacramento Kings in their very first game. So I'm all in on that. Um, Everybody's kind of been talking about the... San Antonio Spurs as a really boring offense, a really boring team to watch. This has totally changed my mind. They are one of the more, well, not one of the more fun teams in the bubble to watch, but they are an enjoyable team to watch in the bubble. And when they're playing meaningful games, when Greg Popovich is coaching the way that he does and getting DeMar DeRozan the ball in spots that he should be getting the ball and where he should be able to score as much as he can, and, you know, making it into the playoffs for him probably won't be the best thing emotionally because he is likely going to get swept again by LeBron and that just means LeBron is going to have an unbelievable first round series if he goes up against DeMar because that's just kind of how LeBron does things he he destroys any DeMar DeRozan led team or DeMar DeRozan and somebody led team so you know as much as I want to see it happen I uh I kind of don't want to see it happen because I want to see DeMar do okay you know, and, and, but I'm all in. I'm all in. I think they're going to make it. I think they're going to be the ones who, uh, who are going to be in the play-in tournament against the Memphis Grizzlies or against whoever, and they're going to be the one to take it. So that does it for this episode of the Raptors Rapture podcast. Like I said last time, wear your mask, keep fighting for social justice changes, all that kind of stuff. Uh, there are more things important than basketball right now, and make sure that uh, we keep those in front of us and in our forefront. Make sure that we make the changes and, and that everybody stays safe and healthy. Those are those are a little bit more important than basketball right now. But, uh, you know, keep watching it. Keep cheering on the Raptors. Keep doing everything. And make sure you guys will go follow us on Twitter at Raptors Rapture. Go to our site every day. We're covering the games. We're doing opinion pieces. We're doing everything that you guys want about Raptors content. And, like I said, we're doing the Raptors podcast um after every few games so please if you like what you hear give us a five-star review on apple podcast spotify uh give us a, some subscribers whatever it helps more than you guys know you guys can follow me on twitter at h underscore surplus as i end every single show go raps